Hi, and welcome to the casual viewers. I'm Ryan. And I'm Zach. So we are super excited to come to you today to talk about the new CW show, Black Lightning. Yeah, uh, this time around, what we're going to be doing is every time an episode comes out, we're going to talk about it. And uh, then we're going to release it for everybody. So in other words, we're just going to do a weekly episode about each weekly episode. Yes. Uh, we're going to try to get these out within the first couple of days that it comes out. Uh, our goal is to get them out the day after it comes out or at the very latest the day after that. So hopefully the show comes out every Tuesday uh, and hopefully no later than Thursday. We'll try to get this episode out because hopefully people want to listen to this who like talking about the show kind of like we do. Uh, this is a general blanket statement for anything we ever review ever. There's going to be spoilers. So if you haven't seen the actual episode, the pilot of Black Lightning, go watch it. Come back to us. We'll still be here. And then we're going to try to save off anything that would be remotely spoilery so that if you don't want things in the future spoiled, you can just shut it off. So we'll make it very clear whenever we're going to go into speculations and theories about things that are going to happen in the future. So if you just want to hear people talk about what happened in the episode, we're going to make sure that we appeal to that audience as well. So uh, for people who don't know anything about Black Lightning, and I certainly didn't, I had never even heard of this character prior right. to a couple months ago whenever they released it at Comic-Con. I mean, did you know anything about it, Zach? I did not. And I didn't know anything until you told me about it because I didn't even hear about it at Comic-Con. You told me about it and I thought, oh, you know, it's just another uh, DC superhero TV show. I mean. Arrow started out pretty good and I liked it. Same with Flash and Supergirl, but I, I, I've lost touch with most of them, especially Arrow, now that it's been on for quite a while. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I wasn't familiar with Black Lightning. I was familiar with Static Shock, which is a completely different superhero altogether and not even remotely related to Black Lightning. Right. I remember Static Shock as a kid. That was one of my favorite shows. Yeah, because I used to be on the WB, which... Ironically, it's the same network that this is on. But that was a Saturday morning cartoon. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. A long time ago, back when it was the WB. <laughs> uh, but so the nice thing about this being a relatively unknown superhero, I wouldn't say unknown, but a lesser known superhero in the DC universe is that if you want to read up on Black Lightning, you can do so pretty quick. There really aren't that many comics that are specifically designated for him. So. In the original run in 1977, they only had 11 comics for him and the second one that was part of the world's finest. Uh, right now, you can buy it on Amazon for like 15 bucks. And it has a, it's called Volume 1 of Black Lightning, and it has all of them compiled for you in like a paperback. Uh, then there was a second run in 1995, and that one was, I believe, 13 comics. They're in the process of compiling that one into a volume. It'll be Black Lightning Volume 2. I think that one's supposed to come out in February of 2018 on Amazon. Uh, then in the, uh, I don't remember exactly what the time period was, but there was a limited run of Black Lightning called Year One, and they just recently re-released it. Right now, the cover is literally the Jefferson Pierce from the CW, and it has the CW logo on it. And so we'll talk about that as we review the episode. But that's kind of what they're loosely using as the background for this specific iteration uh, yeah. for TV. Uh, I've only I've only read the first issue, but you've read more than I have on uh, year one. But it does definitely seem like they're kind of branching off of that. Now, do you know if uh, the volume two that's coming out this year, is that still a current run or do you think that's that's over? The, of what? Uh, volume two of Black Lightning that's coming out in February. So volume two. So volume one and volume two were limited runs. Black Lightning okay. itself, whenever it came out in their specific releases, it wasn't super popular at the time. And so it, it didn't make very many comics. So Black Lightning was its own standalone comic. So whenever it came out in 1977, I believe it was November of 1977, because it bleeds into like May or June, I believe, of 1978. And we'll talk about that a little bit later as well. But whenever it was in those specific limited releases, it just 
kind of died in popularity and didn't get as popular as they liked, so they just stopped printing. Uh, and it was the same way with Volume 2. So they're just two separate runs of Black Lightning. Uh, gotcha. I haven't read the 1995 one, so I don't know exactly what happens in that one. And we have some kind of, whenever we talk about speculations later, uh, I'm pretty sure of some things that, are, that happen uh, in it uh, that they kind of hint at in this episode as well. Uh, and then the other one that we didn't talk about, so we talked about Volume 1, which is the 1977 run, uh, the 95 run, which is Volume 2. We have Year 1, which won a bunch of awards, and that was the six-comic limited run. And then there was also a six-comic limited run in the New 52, which was the not the most current uh, revamp of DC Comics, but the one before yeah. that. So the one now is called, what, Rebirth? Is that what it's called? I, I believe that's what it's called. DC has been doing a lot of rehauling recently. Yeah. But in the most recent Rebirth, which is, I think, called Rebirth, as far as I'm aware, Black Lightning isn't in it yet. Uh, but in the one before that, the most not recent Rebirth, that was called The New 52. And Black Lightning had a six comic run, and it's called Blue Lightning, Black Lightning and Blue Devil. So if you look that up, it's also on Amazon. You can read through it real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. Amazon, not a sponsor, but if you want to be. <laughs> so if you want just like a brief non-spoiler uh, history of Black Lightning in terms of like who he is in the comics, we can just yes, give please. that real quick. Just so you kind of know so they kind of hinted at it throughout the episode, but like they mentioned that he's an Olympic athlete. So basically uh, Jefferson Pierce was a really talented athlete in high school. He was a high school basketball player at Garfield High. Then he went on to uh, get a teaching degree from Kent State University. Uh, In between all that, he also was an Olympic medalist in the 1968 and 1972 Olympic Games. He was a decathlete. So he did the throwing, the running, all that jazz. Uh, Then after he finished all of that, he got his teaching degree from Kent State. And then he went on to teach at New Carthage High which is in the same city. Uh, and then he, after that, he went to go teach at Garfield High. And so he was a teacher before he was a principal in the original run. So in the original run, he wasn't a principal. He was just a regular teacher at Garfield High. And then in year one, which is kind of an origin along the same timeline as the, the original origin. I would say yes to that, most definitely. Yeah, it's kind of fuzzy with the the origin overlapping in them. But in the... Year one, he's a principal, and in the uh, 1977 one, he's just a teacher. But either way, he's at Garfield High. Uh, and then the origin for that that they haven't really talked about in the show at all is in his initial origin, whenever he gets back to Garfield High for the first time, there's a student who's like the rising athlete of Garfield High at the time, and Jefferson Pierce kind of takes a liking to him and kind of tries to mentor him. And then the 100 gang, which is also in the comics and is like the main foe, uh, the 100 gang kills him. His name's Earl Clifford. And so he's kind of what starts Jefferson Pierce on his path. Uh, and we'll talk about his path to that a little becoming Black Lightning. Yeah. And the way that he has his superpowers is a little different in each of the comic iterations. So in the year one, which is kind of the one that they're using in this show, uh, Jefferson Pierce just kind of has superpowers like he was born with them and then he kind of gets gadgets that enhance his abilities but in the uh, original run Jefferson Pierce is just a talented athlete starts being a vigilante kind of like Batman to get like vengeance for Earl Clifford and then in the process discovers he has superpowers because he has oh, an electromagnetic cool. he has an electromagnetic belt starts absorbing the power from it, realizing he's getting more powerful the more he uses it, and then discovers he has superpowers. But he so doesn't just... Like a, so it's kind of like an awakening, sort of like he unlocks his powers. Yeah, and I really liked that because as far as I can remember, that's the only superhero that I can think of that started fighting crime before he was a superhero and then didn't have some accident that gave him superpowers and then he was like, oh, I'm a superhero now. It was like, Oh, I'm a really talented superhero. By the way, now I got superpowers on top of it. Cool story, bro. Yeah, that's that's actually really cool. I like the difference between that or just being, 
I'm super rich and I'm Batman kind of approach. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the interesting thing, too, is the reason that this all got started was because up until this point, there really hadn't been many African-Americans featured in uh, the comic book worlds in either Marvel or DC. So the person who started all of this was Tony Isabella, who originally worked for Marvel and kind of worked with some of those comics. Uh, at the time, they had like Luke Cage and a couple of other Marvel superheroes who were African-American. Uh, and they weren't really ready to have a front runner uh, like have their own comic African-American superhero. So whenever he went over to DC, they had already had something in the works called the black bomber, which is a terrible idea for a superhero as you'll hear in just a second. (laughs) Have you heard about this Zach? I have, I have not. So the black bomber was a super, er, was a character that the, the base character was a white racist who, when he got, I think it was like when he got mad or something, he became a black superhero <laughs> wildly terrible. And basically oh <laughs> the, the DC people realized this was wildly racist, wildly inappropriate. And they didn't make this an actual person. So when Tony Isabella came over from Marvel, he really liked the idea of the superhero side of it. And he was like, just cut away the, ra-. like they wanted this to be an actual superhero. And so mm-hmm. they, they cut off Tony Isabella proposed get rid of the white racist part and just keep the black superhero part. Like, <laughs> yeah, let's get you rid have of the a white, great, right, white racist. Yeah, he's like, you have a great superhero right here. Just make this person a superhero, give him his own comic. And so he kind of helped foster the African-American leading main superhero. Because at the time they had Jon Stewart, but he wasn't featured like he was now. Like nowadays, Jon Stewart, Black Green Lantern is a huge Green Lantern, like one of the main ones. Like him and Hal right. Jordan are kind of like, like to me... John Stewart is like our generation's Green Lantern more so than Hal Jordan because he was the one who was in all of yes. the shows. So we grew up with like the Justice League show, the animated Batman series, all of those. And it was always not Hal Jordan, but it was John Stewart Green Lantern that was in all of the shows growing up. That's you know right. I, mean? I remember that. I remember that most definitely. Yeah. And so that's kind of the origins from the comics of Black Lightning. But enough about history. Let's talk about the show, man. This was such a great <sighs> pilot. Yes, I was kind of iffy when you said that we need to start watching this show because I've always kind of been meh right now towards superheroes because there's so many superhero movies, there's so many superhero TV shows, but this pilot really got me in and I was like, oh yes, my love for superheroes has been revitalized. So you've seen most of the CW shows that are superhero ones right now. So right now this makes what? Four. This is this is the fifth. This is the fifth superhero. Let's, see. Superhero. Uh, let's so name them: Arrow. Yep. The Flash. Yep. Supergirl and the, the one in between. Tomorrow? Legends of Tomorrow is the one that was Legends in between. Legends of Tomorrow. That's yeah. what it is. Yep. And this is the fifth. So of those, I've seen all of the pilots. I actually just started watching Legends of Tomorrow this week to kind of catch up to where they are currently because I heard it's actually really good. I've heard it's really good currently. The first oh, season. Not so much, but yeah, I, I watched the pilot of that one. It was very cringeworthy and I decided I wasn't going to watch any more of it. <laughs> yeah, that one's definitely the worst pilot of the five. But of the five, what do you think was the best pilot? The best pilot? Mm-hmm. Um, I would definitely have to say Black Lightning. I mean, I, I always want to say Green Arrow. The Arrow one, it, it seemed very kind of typical, like the uh, like like Batman Begins sort yeah. of thing. Everybody thinks he's dead and he just shows up and he's already a superhero. This one uh, with Black Lightning, it really showed you who all the characters were, especially what's his name? Black uh, Jefferson Pierce as as himself. You really get the sense of like he really doesn't want to be Black Lightning anymore. And then at the very end, you know, spoiler, <laughs> he decides to become Black Lightning again. Well, and one of the interesting things, too, is this is an origin story that already had an origin story, too, because like it's not like all of a sudden, oh, I have these new superpowers. I have no idea how to use them. It's like, no, I was a superhero. I decided I'm not going to be a superhero. And then I'm like slowly realizing throughout the episode, you know what? I got to be a superhero again. guess I got to do it, which is kind yeah. of different from most origin stories. And what I liked was he didn't decide that he needed to be a superhero again. He decided he needed to go save his daughters 
and he knew he had to use his powers to go get his daughters. Even whenever he decides to stop using his powers and stop being Black Lightning, he did it so he could have a family, which is different. Usually, people you never really see people who just decide to stop being superheroes. I mean, Superman never really stops being Superman. Uh, the Flash does it. That's kind of the thing with the Flash is that a lot of the Flashes, they kind of give it over to the next generation of the Flash and they take over the cowl. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the, the interesting thing about that superhero group. Uh, kind of the same thing with Green Light or not Green Lightning, Green Lantern. They give their ring to the next person. But, right, right. But yeah, no, I think this one probably beats out Arrow. Arrow is kind of in its own category, though, I'd almost say, because really that pilot and that whole first season really is what started off this whole revamped, uh, renewed sense of television superheroes. Because really up until that point, there really wasn't much since like Smallville. Smallville was kind of its own entity. That's right. On the CW also, which is Mm -hmm. its own great show. And I'm sure we'll talk about all the time because it's my favorite. But uh, up until since Smallville, they really didn't have much. And they really Arrow kind of restarted all of it. And then from there, they had Flash, which snowballed into Legends. And then CBS had Supergirl, but then CW picked it up. And so now they just have this unstoppable Greg Berlanti brainchild that all kind of blends together. Uh, but this one, I feel like the writing was just so on point. They had so many great political references. Mm-hmm. They had so much, such great writing that honestly, if, if anyone listening is caught up on Supergirl, man, the third season of Supergirl right now, their writing is just as good as this. And this is, if not as good, it's better. So, I mean, if the rest of this show is as good as the writing was in this pilot, this will easily be the best superhero show on the CW this season. No doubt. But let's talk about some of the uh, the opening. I love that the first words of this show is literally the mantra of Black Lightning. In every yeah. comic that I've read, that's like the opening thing is that his motto is, Justice like lightning should ever appear to some men hope and to other men fear. It's literally on the cover of the initial of the origin comic book. Like it was on the front cover. Mm -hmm. I also like that the person doing the monologue was not Jefferson Pierce. Yeah, because that tends to be the style of the CW shows is that each main character does their own monologue. Like, my name is Barry Allen and I'm the fastest man alive or my name's Carrie Danvers and I'm Supergirl or whatever. Like everyone does their own monologue. And so this was a little refreshing that it wasn't Jefferson Pierce. It was the daughter, Jennifer, who did the monologue. Yes. The the younger of the two daughters, Jennifer Pierce. Yeah. The Disney Channel star. <laughs> I was looking up the IMDb of a bunch of these people and that she's been on so much Disney Channel stuff. Ant Farm was the big show that she was in. She was in the newest Descendants. But anyway. But yeah, no, the poem was like a super cool, like homage to everything that was from the comics. Another thing that was cool from the comics is from the police station, they had a bunch of nods to the comic right off the bat. You heard on the TV, they were talking about Inspector Henderson, who in the comics, in both year one and the original one, he was the detective who was, or the inspector who was hunting Black Lightning once he became a vigilante. He was the person in charge of the task force to try to bring him in. So it sounds like he's kind of like Batman's Gordon. Uh, no, because he doesn't team up with him. Like he's literally hunting him. Oh, okay, okay. It's kind of like the best way I can describe it is if you think of the show, the CW, or really not CW, the DC superheroes in two different categories. You have the vigilantes and you have the superheroes. The superheroes are your kind of pure. They don't want to do harm to the to the villains, even though they are villains. So like. Your Superman, Supergirl, Flash, their morals just prevent them from doing any harm to anybody. And so the public and the police force love them. That's kind of one side. Then you have the vigilantes, which is like your Batman, Black Lightning in this case. People that don't mind roughing up the bad guys in order to get results. Like, you know what I mean? Like the Punisher, like that, that kind of darker side. All of the Marvel Knights are, are kind of fit into that category as well. And Black Lightning does as well, because like you even saw whenever we had the the fight at the Seahorse Motel, he like blocked his body with somebody else to not get well, shot. I People like, died. I, I saw that. I was dang. That's. <laughs> yeah, that's that escalated quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's not unreasonable 
that he would be hunted by the police force, if that makes sense, as opposed to other superheroes. I mean, even whenever he goes to Club 100, he he electrocutes two cops and blows up the cop car. Yeah. Which is something superhero, uh, Superman or the Flash wouldn't do. Yeah. Batman well, plus in a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things that we didn't talk about before that the show hasn't addressed yet is that they say that he's in Freeland, which isn't a thing in the comics that I've read. The whole thing is the area that he's in is called Suicide Slum, which is the south side of Metropolis, which is the city where Superman's at. And in both year one and the initial run of Black Lightning in 1977, Superman is in those comics like Superman Mm -hmm. and Clark Kent. Clark Kent writes articles on Black Lightning in the newspaper he works for in both of them. And then he also like teams up with him as Superman in both comics. So if he's in um, Metropolis, it has a contrast that you have Superman with all of his high morals contrasted against the vigilantism of Black Lightning. And they kind of talk about that in the comics a lot mm-hmm. that and they even talk about it in the TV show. They had the guy on the TV saying, oh, well, there are all these other people who have superpowers and we don't we don't have problems with them. But, oh, if he's black then we got problems with him. But I mean, one doesn't harm people and one does. So I understand why the police are going after one of them when they're in the same city, having the same that stark contrast. You know what I mean? Yeah. And don't is in the show. Don't they also mention that they are in Metropolis? I was listening for it. I watched it twice and I didn't hear them mention the word Metropolis once. Mm-hmm. Did you? I, it might've just been me reading the comic, but I thought that they said this is the part of Metropolis that the superheroes don't go to. They, the, the superheroes don't pay attention to this. You, you can corroborate if that's from the comic or not. That's definitely in the comic. In year one, they mentioned that. Okay. Then it's from the comic. Yeah. I don't think they mentioned not the word the Metropolis in the show at all. And that's something we'll talk about later is like for crossover purposes, this is the Greg Berlanti CW universe, DC universe. So when we talk about what TV shows he could cross over with, it establishes which world he's on. And so we'll talk about that later for multiverse purposes. But Yay, DC multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> so we still haven't left this police station scene yet. They also right. have uh, the wanted poster for Tobias Whale, like right off the bat. Yes. You know, you know, right off the bat that he's a villain. Mm-hmm. And oh, and I said, which is completely different from the the comics already. So you can see that they're kind of taking their own route because in the comics he's the city councilman. Well, that that's why I was going to say where it's a little different because in the original run he's not a he's not an elected official. Yeah, he's right. Straight he's up just gang a boss. Yeah, he's like kingpin basically. Yeah, he basically is kingpin. Like if this is Daredevil, <laughs> Black Lightning is Daredevil, and Tobias Whale is kingpin. Like that's kind of like the perfect analogy for Marvel DC back and forth in terms of like hero villain antagonism. Mm-hmm. But in year one, that comic, he's uh, an elected official for the city government. I don't remember if he's a mayor or a city councilman, but he is elected. And in the year one comic, he's running for re-election at the time Black Lightning starts. But in the original comic, he's not anything. He's just a gang boss. So it's kind of, I'll be interested to see where they go with it. But I mean, the fact that he's wanted for murder, I doubt he's a city councilman in this iteration for the TV. Yeah. And I also like on the wanted, uh, on the wanted board, it shows black lightning, but it's it, to me, it looked like the very illustrated comic book version of black lightning. Yeah, it did. I loved it. And then also I loved the banter back and forth between Anissa, the older daughter and Mm -hmm. Jefferson Pierce when they were in the car leaving, like when they were just having like a quote off between both of them. And one was like, Oh, Martin Luther King. And they just went back. It was perfect. And that's what I mean about like really well written. Like, I love that. That was probably one of my favorite scenes of dialogue in the entire episode. It was beautiful. And I, I feel like they before we even see Anissa on screen, we already like get what type of character she is because uh, her younger uh, sister, Jennifer, refers to her as Harriet Tubman and they're busting her out of jail because she was at a protest against yeah. uh, the local gang, the 100. So, so yeah. we already get the the sense of what type of person she already is, really building out these characters before we're even 10 minutes into the show. Yeah. No, this entire episode like just has the essence of girl power. Like, the, I feel like they're yes. trying to set that up, <laughs> that there's so much strength in all the women of this show that they're mm-hmm. really trying to get that across like both daughters even his ex-wife uh yeah no 
every girl in the show, but like the perfect example, whenever they're in the club, the girl's like, I'm not going to be dragged into any of this. And she just like knees him in the crotch and walks out. Like there was so <laughs> much strength for all the women of the show that I thought was really great that they're sending a great message to the younger generation that I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Like they ain't taking nothing from nobody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we didn't say it before, but if you've never listened to us before, which you probably haven't because we have two episodes out. <laughs> this is a family friendly podcast. So we're even if they curse in the show, we're not going to curse on this show. Uh, we're going to try and keep it family friendly and things right. like that. We will we will try our <laughs> best. Our darndest. <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah. And I love that Jennifer is a track athlete because she's like her dad, that he was this talented runner. And so is she. I did think it was interesting, though, that Lynn had divorced uh, Black Lightning, Jefferson Pierce. Yeah. And they had like the joint custody. I thought that was a really interesting way that there was a strain on the relationship from him being a superhero. And she just couldn't take it. Like. You never really see that. There's a lot of like dysfunctional relationships where the spouse really just kind of gets shafted a lot. And they're just kind of like, well, I guess he's just got to be a superpower person. Like, I'm just going to chill and be at risk. Like, she's like, no, I'm not having any of it. Mm -hmm. She divorces him. uh, Yeah. She says, no, you choose one or the other. And he promised not to be Black Lightning. He broke the promise. And she said, I want a divorce. Well, and then I also love this show is just trying to like break all sorts of stereotypes and just kind of, again, just show a great family story that they show a divorced family that is functional, which I feel like you rarely see in TV. Like normally whenever you see a a divorced family, there's always all this crazy drama and all this, but I mean, they're both great parents to their children as divorced parents, which I think again, sends a great message that I'm so glad they're doing this with the show. And it was interesting because in the, in the original run of the comics, Jefferson Pierce wasn't married to Lynn. In the comics, her name's Lynn Stewart. In this show, she's Lynn Pierce. But Lynn Stewart just had a had a thing with Jefferson in the past. They were uh, in the process of getting together, and then the comic run ended, so they couldn't flush it out. In year one, uh, at that time, they're married, and they have Anissa, and Anissa's a young girl, and they haven't even had Jennifer yet. So if they, this is why I kind of think they're using the year one as kind of the basis. Because it kind of fits along that same kind of timeline-ish of where Anissa's a young girl, Jefferson Pierce is becoming Black Lightning, and it kind of flushes out with that from that standpoint. Yeah, and go back to the show, trying to get the timeline of how all that stuff happens. Now, I do know that they said like he has been the principal of the school that he's a principal at for seven years, but I thought I might have heard someone say about him not being Black Lightning for nine years. That's correct. I don't know about how long they said he was a principal in the show, uh, but I know whenever he comes in the year one comic, he's coming to be the principal at the same time he's becoming Black Lightning, if that makes sense. Like he had literally just started his job as principal and within like a very short time, like days of him starting as the principal, Earl Clifford dies and he becomes Black Lightning to get vengeance Mm -hmm. for Earl Clifford. And, And he kind of references that in the show that he started Black Lightning to get vengeance, like to kill people. He even says he started well, to kill Tobias Whale. To like kill that was Tobias. His, yeah. And then he kept going just to keep the his part of the city safe. But I mean, mm-hmm. he even like admits that he was doing this for the wrong reasons. But I, I would like to point something out, though. He said, because he's talking to basically his Alfred equivalent yeah. about killing Tobias. And he said at first it was to kill Tobias, then it was to deal with the gangs and everything like that. So I guess my question is, does he think that Tobias is dead? Probably. Yeah, even though Tobias is still uh, up on the wanted posters, maybe it's just because they haven't found his body. Because Well, no, um, I don't think he is. I don't think he is dead because in the comics, the way it works is he gets Tobias arrested. And then uh, Tobias escapes. So I don't think he I don't think he kills him at any point in either comic. I mean, he saw the wanted poster, so he has to know he's alive. I don't I don't think he thinks Tobias is dead. Okay. I think he's laying low and no one knows where he is. But OK, so the first big fight scene, which was great, was yeah. the Club 100 fight. Mm-hmm. So we, we already talked a little bit about how. Yeah, he uses lighting for the first time. We already talked a little bit about how Jennifer's awesome. Stands up for herself. Hashtag girl power. <laughs> and then 
I guess they're going with the year one uh, superpower set where he's literally at this point, he's already developed all the superpowers. He knows he has superpowers and he's just using superpowers without any sort of gadgets or gizmos or anything. Like yeah. he absorbs tasers yeah. just because he can. And then he's running super fast because he can use his lightning to run fast. So, I mean, he's already a fully fleshed out superhero at the start of the episode. And he's clearly an expert martial artist. The way you see him, like, you see him fight. You see him. He doesn't really use his lightning all that much, you know, except to explode the cop car at the very end. It's just like it's it looked like little in comparison, tiny shocks whenever he makes contact with somebody with his fist. Yeah. I mean, he's using it to run faster. But like I said before, he was already in the initial run. He was already a very talented athlete before he got his superpowers. If they go that route with it in this story. So, I mean, he doesn't need his superpowers to just beat up bad guys. He was already doing that without superpowers. So mm-hmm. I don't think he's like an, an expert martial artist. He's not Iron Fist or anything like that. Like he's just a talented athlete and he's just running around them and stuff. And he's using, and now that he's a fully fleshed out superhero, he's just using his superpowers to run faster. Which, by the way, one of my pet peeves, we talked about this with Star Wars, the way he, he did a phasma. He pulled a phasma. He was literally standing next to the guy. The lights go out. He punches him. They hear a noise. The bad guys come out and he's like across the room. I hate when they do that. (laughs) It drives me bananas. Like you were literally standing there. Just punch them when they open the door. Like, why do you have to? I know it looks cinematically cool that he like comes out of nowhere and does like a Batman Begins type thing with the lights out. And he punches down the bad guys one at a time. Like, I get it. It looks cool. But like you were literally standing right there. You could literally just punch each of them in turn. It's over. Grab your daughter and leave. Like, why? Right. And you can't say it was because, oh, he didn't want them to know his identity. Two cops literally looked him in the eye when he shocked them. How does that not give away your identity? Exactly. But it was dark. Who knows? (laughs) I guess. Uh, But one of the things we didn't uh, talk about in the history of Black Lightning was Gamby. So he gets shot at the Club 100, goes to Gamby's tailor in the comics. There's two different origins for Gamby in relation to Jefferson Pierce. They're both kind of the same deal in that Gamby is the father figure that Jefferson Pierce didn't have. So ever since he was like 12 years old, Gamby was a father figure to him. In the original comics, Jefferson and his mom lived above Gamby. There was like an upstairs apartment and they lived above Gamby and he kind of took care of them. And whenever they had, I guess it was in the year one, I'm sorry. That in the original one, he li- they lived above him. In the year one, they lived like down the street. And Gamby would come over whenever they were running short on money, and he would bring go- groceries and invite himself to dinner. So I mean, the whole time he, in both iterations, Gamby was like a second father to Jefferson Pierce. And so I love that they carried that over, so that he could be this Alfred esque type person for him. And I, and he almost has like a bat cave. I want to call it the lightning layer. Unless you have a better better name for it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, not yet. I'll, I'll, I'll give it some thought. Okay. I, I gave it a small amount of thought. Enough to think of lightning layer. But so they go to the lightning layer whenever he decides later. And I, I just have to comment because it drives me nuts as well that he he's a tailor. He doesn't have that much money. How did he buy all this equipment and buy this super cool screen? Like that screen alone costs like a bajillion dollars. And not to mention engineer this entirely new tactical suit that almost rivals Tony Stark. Well, and in the comics, they explain some of that away because in the original comic, Gamby's brother designed all of the tech like the Gamby's brother made the electromagnetic belt that gave him his superpowers and deflected bullets Uh, in the year one. Gamby's brother gave him the fabric. And from that, Gamby is a tailor and made a suit like a tracksuit that he used. But uh, and and they kind of explain away with the fabric, how he's able to deflect bullets with just the fabric. It's a, a combination of Kevlar and neoprene in the year one comic, which is, I guess, quasi canon. So they kind of explain away some of that. But it almost seemed like the way it kind of deflected a little bit in the the show, it kind of had an element of that electromagnetic belt that deflected mm-hmm. the bullets there. It seems like they're kind of using a hybrid of that Kevlar neoprene and the electromagnetic belt. Yeah. I mean, it looked like his, the suit he had at the end of the episode was very more armor esque than yeah. 
your normal spandex superhero that we haven't really seen, especially with all these new superhero movies. Everybody seems to have some type of armor instead of spandex, which is more practical. Like if you're going to get shot, have something that deflects bullets, man. Mm -hmm. And also I was thinking because like he lifts his arm up uh, to block those bullets. I was wondering if he channeled his electricity probably to try and make himself a little tiny force field. But I like the, the, the Kevlar is still pretty cool. Well, in the in the original comics, like I said, he has an electromagnetic belt that covers his entire body with a small amount of electromagnetic repulsive field that blocks bullets. So like that's how they explain it away in the comics. Okay. And, and then in the year one, he like his suit itself is Kevlar. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it kind of has a little it seemed like in the show they kind of used a little bit of both. It, it wasn't really clear how exactly his suit was deflecting bullets. Right. Right. But I did appreciate all of the whale jokes they made that were small and subtle. Like they dropped a guy in a piranha tank before they showed him. They he <laughs> shot Lala with a harpoon gun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I was not expecting. I thought that was just a regular gun, and then a harpoon came out, and I was like, "That's awesome!" Like, oh, that's a harpoon gun. <laughs> that's a little different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the The only problem I had with this, aside from the him pulling a phasma and disappearing to the opposite side of the room, the only other problem I had with this episode is and. I guess they sort of kind of explain it away in the at the very end of the episode is he's literally shocking a bunch of people. Me being a medical student, like in my mind, I just think, man, you're causing so many arrhythmias and you're just like killing people on a, like on accident, even if you're not trying to kill people. Like he just like walks by and just shocks a random guy who is at the motel, like the random white guy who just like walks out almost in the nude. You're just like, shock. Oh, yeah, that guy. Like, you could have just killed that guy accidentally because you just shocked him. Like you're literally sending volts of lightning through him. Mm-hmm. So that was that was something that that bothered me. But I guess he's able to control it to some degree. So like you, whenever you look, whenever he lifts up Will and just holds him there for a while, whenever he drops him, you can see his shirt. It burned through the first shirt, but not the second undershirt. So, I mean, okay. he's obviously able to control it to some degree enough that he can control the depth of it and like how the, the lightning goes. And that's like his superpowers being able to control lightning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was actually holding him up off the ground and electricity was not going through his body yeah but i mean other times he licks straight up just electrocutes people like whenever you see the the footage of him stopping the robbery he like knocks Mm -hmm. down the two people and then just like straight up just turns around and shocks them with lightning like there's no reason to shock them with lightning he just like shocks them with lightning (laughs) but that was all i had about the episode overall great episode oh and then there was also the teaser at the very end about uh cliffhanger the big cliffhanger, which we'll go in to talk about speculations. But did you have anything else to talk about about the episode that's non-spoilery before we move on to spoilers? I just have to point out that my favorite part of the episode overall, which calls back to, you know, girl power stuff, is when, uh, what's his name? Jefferson Pierce. I'm going to remember his name eventually. He looks back at his ex-wife. He says, I'm going to go get my girls. She says, yeah, you go get our girls back. Like he looks at her to get the okay for to to go be Black Lightning again to get their girls back. Yeah. No, overall, solid pilot. Definitely one of the best, if not the best, pilot of the CW superhero shows. If for some reason you listen to this entire episode sans spoilers and you just haven't seen this episode yet, first, shame on you. Go watch this episode because mm-hmm. it was glorious. And then stay tuned because we're going to talk about some spoilers. Woohoo. So uh, I thought a great title for this segment would just be called the enlightening seems appropriate lightning puns yes uh so first you said you didn't uh we talked about this a little bit before we started and i didn't give it away entirely because you said you didn't catch this but first off we you have the spoiler at the end of the episode where they have anissa having superpowers where she breaks off the sink so in the super in the comics i believe it's in the 95 because it's not in year one it's not in the the 77 one because he doesn't even have kids in the 77 one so it must be in the 90 in the 1995 run that his children are superheroes as well anissa the older one her name is thunder and the other daughter jennifer is lightning those are their names thunder's superpower did you read up on this zach i didn't so i want to give my speculation first after seeing what happened in the episode i like we see her hands glow and then it just smashes the sink I mm-hmm. my assumption is that it is shockwaves like You're close pulses of electricity, not physical lightning mm. like black lightning. You're real close. So her power is that she can increase her physique 
so she can increase her density so that she's rendered almost indestructible. And as she walks and stomps the ground, she makes shockwaves. Like, oh, that's, that's part so of her power. Cool. Yeah. So she's like super dense and can do things. with. And that's why she's like she as she like pushes down more and more on the sink, it finally breaks off because she's increasing her density. OK, so that's how that works. Uh, if they if they follow the same way it is in the comics, which I'm guessing they will. And her superhero name will be Thunder. Then Jennifer's mm-hmm. superpowers is that she's lightning. And basically, she just has the same superpowers as her dad. The only thing is for Thunder and lightning, they won't have had the time to develop them like their dad did. And so they'll be kind of the trial and error period of them kind of using their powers for the first time. Right. Whereas their dad will kind of like mentor them, if that makes sense. Yeah, so that makes sense. It'll be interesting to see that. But they they straight up tease this in the within the first five minutes of the show. So whenever they have the cop pull Jefferson Pierce and the family over, which, by the way, was all sorts of messed up in the scene, a very political jab from the show. But the daughter straight up says, and I quote, I wanted to write it down to make sure I didn't say it wrong. This was the night in the rain with thunder and lightning as witness that Black oh, Lightning was born yeah. again. Yeah. And I, I made sure to rewatch the entire scene and just pay close attention to the background noise. Not a single time, because it, it is raining the whole time, but not a single time in that scene do you hear a bolt of lightning and thunder. So literally, it is <sighs> thunder and lightning as witness as the daughters. Isn't that cool? That is, that is so cool. Which means that, that the show, which means writing. Yeah, so which means that the like, pilot was narrated from a future point. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, I mean they, they kind of usually are. Yeah, and I mean, it had to be anyway, because she was like, this is the night that he became Black Lightning. So I mean... It couldn't have been at the same time. But yeah, I thought that was like the perfect quote that I didn't catch the first time. I like wasn't. I was like, oh, yeah, it's raining. There's thunder. There's lightning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is like a very big wink to people who know anything about Black Lightning and his daughters becoming superheroes. Yeah. But to the average viewer, it's just kind of if you're not paying attention, you're just like, oh, yeah, you know, it's raining. Thunder, lightning. Yeah. He's Black Lightning. Yeah. But basically it was Thunder and Lightning with like capital letters. Thunder with a capital T, like the superhero with Thunder and Lightning as witness. I thought that was a great, very well written line. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing that I was super curious about is the two people who were the uh, bodyguards for Tobias Whale, because I wanted to know who those are. My theory of who are they look important. So I was going to ask who you thought the guy was. But I, I doubt you'd get it because you haven't read very far in the comics. So yeah, no idea. I figured he could have been one of two people. And I kind of cheated and used IMDb. If IMDb <laughs> is accurate, then I know who both the people are. So the the guy, I was really hoping it would be a guy from the 1977 comic. His name's Ned Cregan, who is the cyclotronic man. Uh, and basically what the cyclotronic man is, is that he uh, helped out a radiation technician basically got zapped by radiation and he is a human cyclotron which means that he can like oh wow and he was an interesting villain to fight uh, black lightning because he could change charge because basically he had i want to say he had a negative charge and the people had a positive charge and so he could flip their charge to like repel them or pull them towards him yeah he had a negative he had a negatively charged electrical field around him while all other people have a positively charged field and he can change their charge from positive to negative to basically pull them towards or repel them, just like normal like electricity. So it was really interesting on how he does it. But then the way that Black Lightning beats him is he can change his own charge as well. And so while the cyclotronic man is trying to push him off a building, he changes his charge and goes in and punches him really quick, something like that. Mm-hmm. So it was really interesting. And I was hoping that's who it would be because he kind of looks similar. But no, his name is actually uh, Joey Toledo. So in the comic, have you gotten far enough to see Joey Toledo in the comic? I don't no, think you're not far. No, because no. Earl, yeah, because you just got to the point where Earl Clifford died. So in both yeah. Year One and 1977, one Joey Toledo is the one who kills Earl Clifford. He's the one responsible. And so in the comics, his initial run isn't to go kill Tobias Whale. In the comics, his initial reason for becoming Black Lightning is to kill Joey Toledo, like to get vengeance on him for killing Earl Clifford, which is slightly different from the show. So. Mm-hmm. But in the year one, spoiler, because you haven't gotten there yet in the comic, but he kills, <laughs> uh, he, he turns in Joey Toledo to the police 
And for the 100 to frame him, they killed Joey Toledo by electrocution to frame Black Lightning. Oh. Because the, the, he's getting to a point, at that point, he'd already been interviewed by Clark Kent. He'd written this puff piece about how him and Black Lightning really weren't that bad. He'd been turning in people of the 100, and he'd just been this growing force of good. And so the Black uh, the, the 100 wanted to set him up, so they killed Joey Toledo when he was turned into the cops before the cops found him. And so Joey Toledo is dead in the comic that they're using as the basis, and he's not in the show. That's why I said before that they're kind of using the year one as a basis because they changed some things. Like if he really is Joey Toledo, then the year one comic can't be 100% canon because he can't be dead in the comic and alive in this, if that makes sense. Yeah. So that was one of the big things. The other one that was more exciting that I'm more excited to see is the girl. So who do you think she is? You won't know. Which the girl? Oh, the girl? No. Yeah. Well, what do you think that her deal is? I don't know. She looks like one of those puppet master type people. What do you mean? I don't know. Like, um, she's got that the, the definite creepy vibe for sure. Like puppet master or like one of those, the twins from The Shining. <laughs> okay. So you're, again, not even close. You were at least, <laughs> you were at least close with Thunder when you said Shockwave. Mm-hmm. But no, her I name mean, is... she just creeps me out. <laughs> so her name is Cyanide spelled. Ah, see? Creepy. Spelled, yeah, spelled S-Y-O-N-I-D-E, Cyanide. And in the comics, there's three different iterations of Cyanide. So the first iteration of Cyanide is in the original run in 1977. And that's a guy. He's basically a bounty hunter for the 100. Basically, he he realizes very quickly that Gamby has an association with Black Lightning. He basically goes, kidnaps Gamby, tortures him until Gamby gives up the identity of Black Lightning. Then he kidnaps Black Lightning. And then he basically, he doesn't kill himself. He wants to give him over to the 100 so they can deal with it. But Tobias Whale makes him kill Black Lightning. But he's like tortured by it. So what he does is he changes the gun to be a, uh, a gun that kills the shooter as well as the person who you're shooting. The victim mm-hmm. as well as the shooter. Uh, and Gamby jumps in front of the bullet at the last minute. Instead of it hitting Black Lightning, it hits Gamby. And Gamby and Cyanide die. And that's... Oh. Yeah, and that's Gamby. that's kind of in the middle of the run. It was like, I want to say episode comic six and seven. Uh, yeah, comic six and seven. But that's not the, the Cyanide that we're getting. My guess is that she's the second Cyanide, which is basically... She's basically the first Cyanide that uses the same type of weapons, but she's not afraid to kill. So she's basically like a bodyguard. And in the comics, she's a bodyguard for Tobias whale. Mm-hmm. Like that's her role. And she's just not afraid to kill. And she uses a lot of the same weapons. So the cool weapon that they, that both cyanides use is they have this cool electrical whip and that's how they like do a bunch of their stuff. And they're, they're almost like a, not quite as weaponsy as death stroke, but they just have a bunch of different weapons. She has a bunch of like throwing knives and some other guns that, but her main weapon is an electrical whip, which is pretty cool. But yeah, as long as IMDb is to be trusted, those are the identities of the bodyguards. Awesome. I can't wait to see them like face off on Black Lightning and hopefully Thunder. Yeah. Uh, well, Googling Anissa Price and Thunder. Pierce. Or yeah. Sorry, Anissa Pierce and Thunder. I have already found images. Of her, <laughs> of her suit? Her and her suit. So it's yeah her i guess we're pretty gonna get thunder yeah, yeah it is well the other thing that we wanted to talk about so we promised some multiverse talk so we talked about it we, we hinted at it briefly in the past so in the comics black lightning is in metropolis like suicide slum is the south side of metropolis and yeah, for whatever reason yeah and for whatever reason in the year one comic i haven't gotten far enough for them to really say but superman can't go to the south side because there must be kryptonite there or something because he says whenever he goes there, he gets weak and black lightning makes a joke about it. Like Superman being racist, but, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, there must be kryptonite or something. So he can't go there. So black lightning has to, uh, that's why there's not a Superman presence on the South side. And based on some of the other things that happened in the original run of the comics, I'm betting that he is on the Supergirl earth. So for anyone who's not fleshed out in the other, who's not caught up in the other DC shows, Basically, the Arrow show, the Legends of Tomorrow show, and the Flash show all take place on what they call Earth-1. 
Earth-1 being one of many Earths that are different timelines and different superheroes are on different Earths. So on Earth-1, all of those superheroes are on the same Earth and they exist on that Earth. But Superman and Supergirl, basically on that Earth, exist in a timeline, the kind of headcanoning that most of the fans kind of agree that in that timeline, Krypton didn't explode. So Superman and Supergirl are still on Krypton. Mm -hmm. And the Supergirl Earth, I don't remember which Earth they specifically call it. It's like 13 or something. But their Earth timeline, the Flash and all of them don't exist on that timeline. It's just Superman and Supergirl. And at this point, some other superheroes that I won't spoil the current season of Supergirl if you're not caught up. But basically, you have that superhero timeline. And so Superman is in Metropolis and Kara Danvers or Supergirl is in her city, which I don't remember off the top of my head. But it's just a neighboring city, right? Uh, it's not neighbor. It's like a somewhat while away, but they have their own cities. And so if if Black Lightning is in the Superman universe, which I bet he is, because in both year one and the 1977 one, he teams up with Superman like mm -hmm. and Clark Kent. Uh, and the other thing that makes me think that he's in that time period with Supergirl and that Earth is because in the 1977 one, uh, Clark Kent isn't a reporter for the Daily Planet. He's a reporter for Morgan Edge, who, if you're currently watching Supergirl, is one of the villains in this current season of Supergirl. So if they cross over with Supergirl this season, it would make sense, if that makes sense. And yes. In the, in the year one, Clark Kent is a reporter for the Daily Planet. But in the other one, he's a reporter for Morgan Edge. So they could work in some Morgan Edge uh, tag teaming, which would be really interesting. And it'd be really cool to see him team up with Supergirl. Yeah. But I also wouldn't be surprised if he's just in Metropolis on the Flash and Arrow Earth, if he's on Earth 1, because then they wouldn't yeah. have to worry about him. He could just be the hero of Metropolis, and they don't have to worry about him competing with Superman. And they don't have to, they kind of can explain away, oh, Superman's not on this Earth, so that's the reason that Superman's not in every episode. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I could, I could easily see them explain it away both ways, but I just think it would be, it would make more sense if he's on the Supergirl Earth and get some team-ups with Supergirl, aside from the mega crossover event they have every year. And not to mention, it'd, make, it'd be easier for them to tie in the, uh, the League of Shadows if they are on with The Flash and Arrow, since well, they've already been introduced to both of those TV shows. Yeah, because that was the other thing, is early on, literally the second comic of the 1977 one, he fights the League of Assassins. And not the League of Assassins, but specifically Malcolm Merlin. Uh, he fights Malcolm Merlin because he like is a bounty hunter mercenary for hire for the 100 gang and Talia al Ghul, Ra's al Ghul's daughter comes and tries to capture him Mal out or kill Malcolm Merlin. And so, right. and that's kind of where you get your exposition of the past from is that Gamby is talking to Talia al Ghul. And so I wouldn't be surprised if he's in that for a league of assassins crossover as well, but only time will tell. Mm -hmm. All right. So I have one more question before we go. Okay. And that is, do you think that Anissa Pierce will keep her powers a secret from everybody and for how long like take some bets on it like how many episodes do you think she'll keep it a secret if if she keeps it keeps it a secret I don't know I mean the fact that she already has promo photos of her with her superpowers I couldn't imagine her keeping her superpowers secret for more than like an episode or two but I mean mm -hmm. she also it's, she it's is also a nursing student in college who medical works. medical student Different. Yes, sorry, medical student and right. uh, works at the school three days a week, three days a week as a tutor. Yeah, but I mean, the whole thing is, I feel like it's a little different. I wouldn't be surprised if Jennifer keeps her powers a secret more so than Anissa, because for Anissa, she knows that Jefferson Pierce, her dad, is Black Lightning. Like she grew up in the household when he was currently doing Black Lightning and then he stopped. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So she knows and so I feel like she would be more comfortable telling her dad. But Jennifer, as far as I'm aware, she might know that he's Black Lightning. She might not. They, well, they never specifically I think, say. I don't think either of them know that he's Black Lightning because whenever they bust out of the uh, the motel room, he even though he's basically just wearing really big sunglasses, uh, uh, the sunglasses go dark. So oh, they see, can't see I thought that eyes. was. Oh, I didn't even think that was for the daughters. I thought that was for the I thought that was for Will. But, I mean, he gets rid of him whenever he's just holding Will. So, yeah, it must, it must have been for the daughters. Mm -hmm. I don't know, because I really thought that 
I really thought that it was going to be that Jennifer didn't know and Anissa did, but maybe you're right. Neither of them know. Hmm. I don't know. How long do you think that she'd keep it a secret for? I'd say two episodes and she says something at the end of the third. Yeah. You know, kind of like to build up her own character turmoil stuff. You know, it's it's basic TV storytelling sort of stuff. Yeah. I w- like I said, I would be surprised if it took her more than two episodes to tell somebody. I also wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if if the way it comes out is that each of the daughters develop their own powers separately and then they see each other having the powers and that's how it comes out. I wouldn't be surprised if that's how it happens as well. Yeah, that seems like the kind of typical tropey kind of superhero thing as well. But I just hope it's not some long drawn out thing where, oh, I don't want to tell you when I have superpowers and then all of a sudden I have to use my superpowers. Like that's just such a an overplayed thing that I feel like the, this show's better than that. Yeah, this show's going to be better than that. Way better than that. Be better than The Gifted. <laughs> it's a low bar. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, we had, to, we had to slam some Marvel at the end. But... <laughs> Long live DC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're in the DC generation. These kids nowadays, they're in the Marvel generation, but we grew up with all the DC shows. Mm-hmm. One thing that we didn't mention before that people are probably like, when are you going to talk about uh, Static Shock? I don't know if we mentioned it before, but Static Shock is... Oh, yeah, we did mention it earlier. That they're not related in any way, shape, or yeah. form. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to make it clear that I I doubt Static Shock would show up at some point in the show, or if they did, they'd have to make it very clear that he's unrelated and he's just like making a guest appearance. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be kind of lame. Although it would be cool if they brought if they did want to bring people from the Outsiders. So that, that was the other comic that I failed to mention before is that he had his Black Lightning had his own comic in each in each iteration. He had his own comic, but after the his own comic runs ended shortly or very briefly, he joined the group called the Outsiders, which is a group led by Batman and has some other yeah, lesser known is- superheroes called Geostorm, Halo, and a couple other ones that I've never heard of. But it would be interesting if they brought in some of those other extra heroes to kind of flesh out the team. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they just kept it like a close-knit family team of superheroes. Yeah. And the Outsiders is basically like the uh, Marvel's equivalent to the Defenders. Yeah, I think that's a good way of phrasing it. Especially because you got bat, you got like the most notorious vigilante in DC, Batman, leading a team that has mm-hmm. another vigilante, Black Lightning. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're all kind of they 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 toe the line of vigilante. Oh, do they? I mean, I I literally know nothing about surprised. the rest of the Outsiders. I know some other people join who I'm aware of. Like I think Vixen might be a part of it at some point, or maybe I'm thinking of a different. So there's another timeline at some point where Black Lightning is part of a group that's led by like a Black Superman. That's like one story arc. Also, one of the cool things about Black Lightning is the Justice League of America offers him a spot on the Justice League. And he's like, nah, I don't want it. He turns (laughs) down the Justice League. Uh, Okay, do you have anything else to talk about? No, I think that's it. I think next time it'll be a lot shorter since we don't have anything to talk about with the uh, more so with the Black Lightning comics and his origins via the comics and things like that. So it'll be a lot shorter. Yeah, I mean, that was a good 15 minutes or so. But yeah. So if you again, if you want to check out the comics, uh, I think year one is a great start. Uh, Probably an even better start is the volume one, because the year one is as great as it is, has a problem with kind of blowing through the origin kind of quick that the the year one kind of or not the year one, the volume one kind of takes its time with because it's 11 comics versus it's 12 comics versus six comics. So you have a little bit more time to flesh out the character and different things happen in each of them with different villains. So you kind of get a different experience with both comics, but both are great. Uh, Check them out. The nice thing about this, as opposed to other DC superheroes that Zach and I talked about before we recorded, is that there's just so few comics with Black Lightning as opposed to other major characters like trying to catch up on like all Superman's ever written or all Batman's ever written. Or if you wanted to watch the Flash show and read all the flashes, like there's just so many. You just get inundated with so many comics and so many different alternate storylines and whatever. This one, there really aren't that many, so you could probably blow through them pretty quick. Uh, so if you're interested in reading them, check them out. Most of them mm-hmm. are on Amazon or will be soon. And I guess the best part is, you know, it's also a TV show, so it's kind of it's not required reading. Yeah. Uh, if you want to follow us on uh, Twitter, we are at Casual Viewers. On Instagram, we're at the Casual Viewers. Uh, if you want to email us with your thoughts on the show, we'd love to hear it. Our email is thecasualviewers at gmail.com. Uh, if you have something that you'd like us to review... Uh, currently, we're working on uh, trying to figure out how we're going to record our reviews of 
this year's 2018 Oscar Best Picture nominations. So uh, if you have some thoughts on the Best Picture, what you think should win, uh, your thoughts on a specific movie, we'd love to hear it. We'd love to talk about it on the show. Uh, Or if there's just a show or movie you just want us to review at some point, we'd love to hear your suggestion and maybe we'll do it. Or just emails and say hi. We haven't gotten any emails yet. We're lonely. Email us. Uh, (laughs) That's it for us. Uh, We'll see you next week. Until then. 